0: Boulderista is a podcast that celebrates the Boulder, Colorado lifestyle by highlighting local influencers and the inspiring impact they have on our community and celebrating the local traditions that make this the happiest place to live in the U.S. I am your host, Sherry Figueroa, and I invite you to explore what makes Boulder. My guest today is my dear friend Lori Hughes, co-founder of the Community Roots Midwife Collective, a group that brings accessible, skilled, and respectful home birth and reproductive health care access to the greater Boulder community. Lori is a passionate advocate for people's health care rights and reproductive justice, servicing those in need both locally and abroad in places like Indonesia, the rural Philippines, and Uganda. Community Roots provides care on a sliding scale to families across the socioeconomic spectrum in a time when alternative health care is out of reach for many families living right here in Boulder. It is my honor to welcome this incredible woman to the show today. Welcome, Lori. Thanks, Sherry. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to speak to you today about this. So we've known each other for about 10 years now, Remind me and tell our audience, our listeners, a little bit about your background, where you're from, and
1: how did you come to want to help people? I came from the Pacific Northwest by way of San Francisco. I've always loved to travel. Or to travel. I've been a traveler for as long as I can remember. I backpacked through Europe when I was 17, and I became a travel agent after college. When I was about 13 and in the eighth grade, I volunteered as a candy striper at Seattle Children's Hospital. And I don't even know if they have such a thing anymore. But back then, a candy striper was a teenager who helped the staff and uh, delivered flowers or newspapers or magazines and food to patients in the hospital. What I loved the most about that was working with all of the patients and having that one-on-one patient interaction. It was really special and and it spoke to me at that time. Mm. And it was 20 years later that I found birth work, but I had started working with people much earlier.
0: So tell me how you came to Boulder, how you found Boulder, and
1: what led you to move here? Well, I chose the University of Denver for college. I moved there in the late 70s, and it appealed to me because it was far enough away from home, but not too far. Mm-hmm. There were the mountains nearby so I could ski, and I loved the size of the school, so that was the main draw that originally brought me to Colorado.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Denver was a totally different place um, at that time. It right? was. I mean, tell me a little bit about that landscape. So in the late 70s and the early 80s, Denver was more of a transient city. The um, There was a high rate of unemployment. The oil bust was happening. It just was not the vibrant city that it is today. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so did you come to Boulder when you were a
0: student at, in Denver? I did.
1: When I was at University of Denver, I had some friends who were students at CU in Boulder. And I came up here fairly often to hang out with them and hike in the mountains and listen to music and that sort of thing.
0: And that's one thing that uh, the audience doesn't know about you, but you are definitely um, into live music. I love live music, yes. (laughs) Lots of shows, so I would imagine that that was um, a draw back then as well as today. Definitely, So you're here um, now. You've been here 23 years and counting, right? Um, How did you root into the community when you moved back here from Seattle, was it? Uh, It was San
1: Francisco. Francisco. I had (laughs) been there for about a 12-year stint. Um, When I moved back to Boulder, I read an article that was written by a woman who was a doula. She was a birth doula. And I had had three children at that point. I had attended a friend's home birth, mm-hmm. but I hadn't heard of doulas before and I didn't, I didn't know anything about them. So I read this article that she had written about her journey as a doula and it was really intriguing to me. It just spoke to me right away. Mm-hmm. So I tracked her down and I, I chatted with her and asked her how I could become a doula as well. And she told me about an organization called Birth Assistance of Boulder. So I uh, met up with them, and I trained and worked with them as a doula for almost 20 years, wow. as a birth doula, and mostly did births in the hospital, but also got to do some home births in there as well. Do you know how many births you've been to now? Just over 350. Wow. I think. So it's, it's a lot, That is, but a lot. not a lot as a lot of other people who were in the birth world. Right. I just can't imagine. They must all be so different as well. They are. They're all really different.
0: So how did you make the move from doula to midwife then?
1: I found as I was working as a doula that I wanted to be more involved in the care of the the mom and the baby. I wanted to have more responsibility, Mm. and I wanted to focus on home birth and working in low-resource settings uh, both in the U.S. and internationally. Mm -hmm. So I contacted a woman I knew in Boulder who was a home birth midwife. I asked her if she would be willing to be my preceptor, my Mm -hmm. teacher, Mm -hmm. and she agreed. And at the same time, I enrolled in National Midwifery Institute, which is a distance online midwifery program, Mm -hmm. and uh, completed that training. I had to do several clinic Uh, placements and I did those in El Paso, Texas. I was down there for about three months. I also did a month in Salt Lake City Mm. and then I completed the training in Indonesia at a clinic in Bali and I was there for three months working. Wow that's
0: amazing. Is there a difference working um, internationally and working here in the United States? What, What would you say the major difference is? I mean we're all women And the birth process, I would say, is pretty, um, you know, standard. (laughs) But what would you say is the biggest difference working with international versus local?
1: Well, I would say that internationally in the places where I've worked, they've been low resource settings or they've been settings where I've been doing disaster relief. Mm -hmm. So there aren't the resources that there are in the in the Western world. Mm -hmm. And... um, Oh, it, it depends. If it's disaster relief, there's not uh, transportation to higher level medical services. There may not be electricity. Even if it's not disaster relief, there may not be reliable electricity. There are many, many, many clinics around the world where uh, babies are born by the light of a flashlight or in the dark or candles because there's not reliable electricity. There may not be reliable clean water. It's all sorts of resources that, that can be lacking.
0: And it, it really makes me appreciate, so grateful, for living here or where I do, um, but also kind of brings back the simplicity for me of just, you know, all we really need
1: is support. Yes. And, and yes. the knowledge, and that's what you bring. Yes, yes. Babies are born the same way all over the world. That's right. And they can do it without an epidural. They can. They can. <laughs> it can be done. It can be done.
0: <laughs> okay. So um, you are part of this Community Roots Midwife Collective, and that's in Longmont. Um, tell me you know, about that organization, about that practice. Um, tell me how it's impacting the local
1: community. Community Roots Midwife Collective was started by three other midwives and myself, Nicole Collegius, Rachel Engel, and Lo Kowalik, and I started the collective about three years ago. And a couple of reasons behind why we started it was that traditionally in Boulder County, uh, home birth midwives practice alone. They have solo practices, and that can be very stressful after time, being on call 24-7 not having shifts that you can trade with other people and so on. And we wanted to create another model for midwifery care in Boulder County and also provide the opportunity for people who hadn't previously had access to maternity or to uh, midwifery care access for home birth. And so we came together and formed the collective. And now, as I said, it's been going about three and a half years. We have had about just over 85 babies born through our collective so far. And we are becoming very well established in the community. Our clinics in Longmont, and we have lots of community activities that are open to the public and are free that, uh, are really the basis of our offerings. I I see here
0: that you have something called a nursing nook at uh, the farmer's market,
1: is that right? We do. We have a stand at the Longmont farmer's market and we also host a weekly milk circle at our clinic where anybody who is feeding an infant can come for support. They don't have to have been our client, it can be anybody in the community. So anybody who needs help with feeding their baby can come on, I believe it's Tuesday mornings. People should check out the website to be sure that the time and the day, but I believe it's Tuesday mornings. That's
0: such a wonderful offering for the community. I remember um, being a new mom and I read so much information about being pregnant and even prepared quite a lot for the birth. But I was completely caught off guard by the challenges of nursing. And there was a very sweet nurse at the hospital. I did have a hospital birth, but I did it naturally. And I had a doula, my friend Taylor, our common friend Taylor. Um, and she was so patient with me, but I remember thinking, why are we not taught this? Why is this not a normalized education process just as um, you know, the development of your baby is? You know, and so um, I think that those services that you're offering beyond the birth are just so valuable for new moms. Um, And, you know, it can be very isolating being a new mom and overwhelming. So I I really love that you're, you know, I feel like the public can really benefit from, from that.
1: Absolutely. Breastfeeding is something that people imagine it's natural, it's easy, it's something that should just happen automatically. And it's a learning process. The, the parent may have never breastfed before and the baby has never breastfed before when they're a newborn. So it's a learning experience for both the parent and the baby. And if people are going to give up breastfeeding, they usually give it up within the first two months. Mm. And that's when support is, is really needed. Mm. So we welcome anybody who's having challenges or not, or just wants to connect with other new parents around breastfeeding and and parenting to come to our milk circle that we have every week.
0: And, you know, another issue that I'm realizing that needs education around that you're providing is home birth, right? Yes. So there are a lot of sort of myths around what a home birth is and the affordability and the practicality of it. Can you talk to me a little bit
1: just about what a real home birth experience is like? Sure. home birth is appropriate for people who are low risk. Uh, There are definitely people who should not have a home birth. However, people who are are low risk, and we have a state mandated uh, criteria that would approve or or risk out somebody for home birth. And for people who are low risk, it can be a beautiful uh, experience. We do carry medications. Sometimes people wonder if we carry medications, and we do. We also carry oxygen. We carry medications to stop bleeding, um, different medications that that some people choose for their newborn. Um, we uh, We don't carry pain relief other than putting people in a birth tub. So if somebody wants to have an epidural, they couldn't do that at home but there, there are other options. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and how is that experience, I mean, it sounds pretty obvious to me, but um, how would you describe um, the environment of birthing at home versus birthing in a hospital? Why would someone make that choice if they were completely healthy?
1: You know, why? what are some reasons for that? I believe that People should choose their birthplace that makes them feel the most safe. Mm. And people feel safe in different places. Mm. People feel safe at home. People feel safe at the hospital. People feel safe in birth centers. Mm. There are all different places where people feel the most safe to give birth. Mm. So at home, people have the advantage of being in their own environment, being amongst their own germs, Mm. having the same people With them all of the time, their own family, their partner, their children, if they already have children, they are free to move around. They can have their baby wherever they want to in their home. They don't have to have it in a bed. They could have their baby standing in the kitchen or any place the baby decides to come. So, some people feel comfort and safety in their own home, mm. and others feel comfort and safety in a hospital or other birth setting. Sure. Yeah. And it's it's a wonderful um,
0: right that we have to choose, so it's yes. great that we have that option. So, um, you, you and I spoke a little bit about your international um, experiences. So tell me a little bit about um, your participation in um, midwifery internationally, about the organizations
1: that you work with and um, what that's like for you and where you've been. I've worked with a couple different organizations. Right now I'm working with a group called the Global Force for Healing. And the Global Force for Healing is an organization that has about 16 uh, partners Projects internationally whose goal is to lower the rate of preventable maternal and neonatal mortality and newborn mortality. So, that is a group that I've worked with most recently. I visited a clinic in Uganda, actually, two clinics in Uganda. I've done some disaster relief in the Philippines a couple different times. So, those are my most recent experiences working internationally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So do you have a favorite birth story? There are so many, and they're all amazing. And when you asked me this question ahead of time, I wondered how I would pick one. Um, So one that jumps out that I just found to be such an honor was in Bali. I was at a birth center called Bumi Sehat, which is a very active wonderful uh, birth center in Bali. And there were several midwives working that day, but I happened to be the only one in the room when a, a mama came in to have her baby. And she was in active labor and it looked like the baby was coming soon. And I had called out into the hall for some assistance, but everybody was busy with other births. And so I was the one there. The only other people there were the baby's daddy and and the daddy's mom. And they both were looking a little shell-shocked, not sure what to do as the baby was coming. So I caught the baby, the mama delivered the baby into my hands, and about half an hour later, she looked up at me and she, she asked me my name. This had all happened so fast that I hadn't had a chance to even introduce myself to her. And she asked me my name, and I told her. And I learned that she was going to name her baby after me. And that was something that was just such an honor. And I had heard of other midwives having babies named after them, but it hadn't occurred to me that I would have that honor as well. Wow. And, uh, and in Indonesia, babies have several names, and it's it depends on... Uh, their birth order, their sex, maybe their family's profession, all determine their their names. And in Indonesian, my name would be pronounced Lo-D. 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 So one of the baby's names is now Lo-D. And I have a, a picture of them and uh, the baby and the mama. And it's a really special memory that I have.
0: That is so beautiful. What an honor. So this is a Boulder-centric podcast, so I always like to ask my guest, um, tell me a little bit about your neighborhood and, you know, why do you live there? Why do you live here in Boulder? You obviously have a choice and you're an avid traveler and
1: you can be anywhere, so why here? Boulder is a special community. It's changed a lot in the 23 years that I've lived here. 23 years ago, housing prices were quote, unquote, reasonable traffic was mostly non-existent compared to now. You could drive from one end of the city to the other in about 10 or 15 minutes. But it still has a character and natural beauty that I love. And my neighborhood is close to the foothills. I can walk out my back door and be on hiking trails within 5 or 10 minutes I can walk downtown. The public transportation is good. It's a very beautiful place to live. It is. And it has
0: not come without its challenges. I know if you've been, <laughs> you've dealt with some of those. Tell me a little bit about the challenges you've dealt with over time as a homeowner here in Boulder. Because that is a reality that we live with here in nature. It is. It is.
1: And with living so close to a beautiful natural environment or in the natural environment, there are definitely challenges that come with that. I've had to be evacuated three times from my house because of the risk of forest fires nearby. Mm -hmm. And in 2013, we had a very severe flood in Boulder that also required me to be evacuated and took out my garden and backyard and knocked down fences, did all kinds of damage. Mm-hmm. So, And you lived amongst the wildlife as well, being up there. Absolutely. There was deer and skunks and raccoons. And last year I had a bear that was in my yard a couple different times, probably eating apples. So there's always something. Always an adventure. Yes. <laughs> so... Nat Geo named Boulder the
0: happiest city in the United States in 2017. Coming full circle, how is this true for you? How is Boulder your happy place?
1: When I get home after traveling and walk out into the yard or into the hills behind my house, it feels like an oasis. It feels calm. It feels like an out-breath. Mm. Where I can relax and rejuvenate and be nourished by the nature around me. That's good enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it doesn't take much. Sometimes it's the simple things, you know. Definitely. Um, so, Lori, tell our beautiful, generous audience how can they help support families in need? What can they do to spread the word or make a donation? Um, What are some resources out there
1: for them to help? I would say that people can definitely find a lot of resources online. All of the registered midwives with Community Roots Midwife Collective are certified professional midwives, which is a national credential. It's CPM for short. They can Google CPMs, midwifery, any of those usual Google search words in Colorado or internationally, but specifically I would say they can go to midwifecollective.com, which is the website for Community Roots Midwife Collective, There's a newsletter that they can sign up to. We publish a monthly newsletter that's all about whatever we have going on that month. There's also a place where they can donate. Their donations to Community Roots Midwife Collective are tax deductible. So I would encourage people to go to that website. And for people who are specifically interested in some of these international projects, I would encourage them to go to the Global Force for Healing And that's at globalforceforhealing.org, globalforceforhealing.org. And there is descriptions of all of the projects, a couple of which I've mentioned earlier, where people can become involved either by donating, volunteering, whatever speaks to them. That's wonderful.
0: Thank you so much, Lori, for coming on the show, for sharing your story for helping mamas bring the babies into the world in a supportive and loving way, and for influencing others to make a difference in the community, both locally and globally. You are my hero, and I'm so grateful for the way you show up in the world. Thanks for this conversation and for sharing it with the rest of the world.
1: Thank you, Sherry. I have much gratitude for being here. It's a privilege. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Boulderista Podcast.
0: For more info on today's episode, to nominate an influencer to be on the show, or to connect with me for your Boulder real estate needs, please visit us at www.thebolderista.com and on Facebook and Instagram at The Boulderista. While you're there, don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Until next time, Stay happy, Boulder!